0: I tell people we're not over the hill. What we are, and I'm 70 years old, so I am speaking with credibility here. Uh, We're not uh, over the hill. What we are is we're at the top of a particular hill, and what we can see when we get to the top of that hill is other hills in the distance that we have yet to climb, that we couldn't see when we were at at the base of the hill before we climbed it.
1: to Zestful Aging, where I speak with changemakers from all over the world who are contributing to the common good. Contributing to the common good in even the smallest of ways is proven to help us age with vitality and deep contentment. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. My goal is to share optimism about aging and introduce you to guests who will inspire you to live with zest. And to find out more about this podcast, Hop on over to ZestfulAging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my weekly email newsletter, The Insider, where you will get behind the scenes looks at our guests and other fun tidbits. And if you love the podcast, I'd be grateful if you shared it with your friends. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker, a previous guest. Find out more at judybanker.com. If I'm not mistaken, she just put out a new CD. So it is always, uh, it's always a good idea to check out what she's uh, working on. Our technical director is Stephen Littweiler. Well, We have a wonderful guest for you today. And it's no secret that in our culture, most older people experience ageism, discrimination that's based on a person's age. And in fact, in a recent study reported this year in the Journal of the American Medical Association, 93% of people ages 50 to 80 reported experiencing one or more forms of ageism in their everyday lives. And while it follows, is that we should all want to do something to abolish ageism, we may feel that we don't have much power to do so as individuals. But according to today's guest, social gerontologist Jeanette Liardi, there is quite a lot we can do and we should do. Welcome to the show, Jeanette. Well, thank you Nicole it's great to be here
0: thank you for the privilege
1: ah wonderful to speak with you and such an important topic this idea um I, the acknowledgement I think of what everybody <laughs> knows and that is there's a huge amount of ageism in our culture and it is hard to know what to do about it and you know it's funny I have a little example I'm a pretty regular tennis player and my I I hear often, because I'm in a a league for seniors, 55 and older, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, I can't get that. I'm too old. Um, That comes up a lot. Or, you know, I used to be able to move. Now I can't. I'm too old. A friend of mine said yesterday, I can't get it because I'm a fossil. So, you know, these are (laughs) the things that come up a lot. And um, I'm really looking forward to hearing some of your advice about how to confront this in a way that's effective and not too too preachy. But let's start with maybe the, the big question, and, and that is, why does ageism even exist in our culture? Well, you know, that's
0: the big question, isn't it? And with any form of discrimination, you can ask, why does it exist? And, you know, the roots of ageism go back very, very far. It can go back thousands and thousands of years. But the basic reason why ageism exists is two things. One is we concentrate so much on the physical changes of our body. And so we tend to interpret aging as nothing but deterioration and decline, that that's all that there is. We hit a high point mm. somewhere in middle age mm-hmm. and then we start it's falling downhill. apart. all downhill. Right, it's all downhill, you mm-hmm. know. Um, You know what I tell people, you know, that expression over the hill, those over the hill birthday cards, which drive me crazy. Um, I tell people we're not over the hill. What we are, and I'm 70 years old, so I am speaking with credibility here. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're not uh, over the hill. What we are is we're at the top of a particular hill, and what we can see when we get to the top of that hill is other hills in the distance that we have yet to climb, that we couldn't see when we were at at the base of the hill before we climbed it.
1: I love that metaphor, it makes me so happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um, so it's because we just tend to focus on physical deterioration, which actually in medical terms is called senescence. Our bodies tend to start to wear out. That's part of getting older. But what we don't focus on is the fact that we're not just, uh, our body's not just changing in certain ways, but where our experience of aging is a cumulative process that adds to our life. So while we're losing certain qualities, we're gaining other qualities. And ageism exists because we don't value or even aren't even aware of the qualities that we gain as we get older. And that's what I'm all about, is telling people, helping to balance that view out, that aging is not just deterioration
1: i see what i mean talk about a profound difference in in this whole paradigm so i know you already know i'm going to ask you this but talk to me about what we gain as our bodies do wear out there you can't deny that but what are we gaining in the process so we we gain first what what makes a person older than younger
0: well it's the passage of time and the accumulation of experience that's the main difference between somebody who's older than somebody who's younger time more time has passed and hopefully as time has passed we've experienced more things and hopefully we've learned and benefited from the things that we've learned so that's that's what we gain uh in a broad sense but there are actual and here here's something that people don't really know about. We actually gain certain cognitive skills as we get older. Everyone's aware of and afraid of getting dementia and oh my memory is you know fading and all of that. We lose certain kinds, types of memory, like short-term memory gets a little worse as we get older. But our long-term memory, the stuff that we've learned all throughout our lives, that only gets more and more. That only increases. And so where that makes a difference, this is the way I like to explain it. Um, imagine our brains as libraries. And you have a healthy 35, let's say, year-old brain and a healthy 75-year-old brain. Now the key word is healthy. We have to keep ourselves healthy. And you ask the 35-year-old person, um, go to, go into your library and find me War and Peace or Huckleberry Finn. Go find me that book. Well, the 35-year-old can go grab it and say, okay, here it is. Mm-hmm. Now, you ask that same 75-year-old, uh, and that, that library in that 35-year-old's head, let's say, is 100,000 books. Now you ask the 75-year-old, And instead of a library of 100,000 books, that library has 100 million books Mm -hmm. in it. And now you ask that person, go find me War and Peace, go find me Huckleberry Finn. It's going to take that person longer to get there. You know, well, maybe it's on a shelf in the back room. No, I think (laughs) it's in a box in the basement. (laughs) Give me time. Mm -hmm. So we eventually get to it. But here's the advantage of the older brain in that case. Chances are that war and peace or huckleberry finn is in that library maybe that 35 year old hasn't had enough time or experience to have gotten to the point to read huckleberry finn or war and peace and then the other advantage of the older brain is to say and if you like war and peace or huckleberry finn i could recommend 20 other books you're gonna (laughs) like (laughs) so that's some of the good stuff that's only one type of brain uh skill that we accumulate as we get older another really major one is the fact that we as we get older, into our 50s, the bridge of tissue that connects both hemispheres of our brain, called the corpus callosum, that gets thicker and thicker and matures when we're in our 50s. And when we're in our 50s, we, we start to process, problem solve, using both sides of our brain simultaneously better and more mm-hmm. often. Younger people, when they're given a task, it's not to say young people don't use both sides of the brain. Of course they do, all the time. but when they're given a specific task to do usually one side or the other side of the brain is dominant in doing Mm. the task. Mm -hmm. As we get older, it's like both sides of our brain light up and kick in. Mm. Um, and so what does that mean? Well, older adults tend to problem solve differently than when we were younger. When we're younger, we tend to come up with answers more quickly. Oh, do this, do that. And we tend to see the world in more discrete yes or no terms or black and white terms. Mm. When we're older, we see the gray areas more. We see the subtleties. We see the what ifs. Well, yeah, that's, that may be true, but I, in my yeah. experience, I've learned that it doesn't work that way all the time. That's the kind of skill that we get as we get older. And so that's why it's important to have old and young brains work together in the workplace because you, you get, this incredible productivity of ideas and creativity when young and old brains work together.
1: Mm-hmm. Are you seeing that increasing this whole intergenerational model of work? Is that something you've been able to see in your own work?
0: Yes, definitely. And I think that's a wonderful, uh, it's wonderful progress that everyone is making. I think it's, more businesses are coming to the realization and especially since covid and the short shortage of workers and a lot of older adults deciding to retire. But then many older adults wanting to get back into the workplace. So there are many job more job opportunities. Yes, that is changing. And I think businesses are realizing that when you have more creativity in the workplace because you have retained older workers, what happens is that those businesses tend to expand. And what do they do when they expand? They hire more workers, more younger people too. There's this concept called the fallacy of the lump of labor, where people tend to think that there's only a certain number of jobs and older uh, employees are getting in the way of younger employees moving up in the chain of command. So this is pressure. Well, why don't you hurry up and retire and and give us a chance? (sighs) So, there is that feeling, but what companies are realizing is if you retain the older workers with their, what's called institutional memory, the things that they remember doing, what's worked in the past, what hasn't worked so well, and you retain them, companies expand and create more jobs for younger people to get in. And then there are opportunities for what's, for what can be two way mentorship. Older people can learn from younger people too. By the way, ageism goes both ways. It's not just Mm. most ageism that we're aware of is uh, against older adults because um, it is so prevalent in our society. But young people get a bad rap, too, when people tell them, oh, you're too young to understand or you don't you don't know enough yet. But there are things that young people know that older people can benefit from and vice versa.
1: I see that there needs to be an open-mindedness, it sounds like, yeah, to learn from others. And that's always tricky. Hi, everyone. You may have noticed that Zestful Aging Podcast does not run a lot of ads. That's because I'm just not willing to endorse products that I don't have total confidence in and that I don't use myself. So it really means something when I tell you that after I interviewed Dr. Bill Rawls on cellular health, read his books, and learned about his high standards for quality control, I was sold. I placed an order for Vital Plant supplements immediately. I encourage you to check out both of my interviews with Dr. Bill Rawls and hop on over to VitalPlan.com. If you enter Zestful15, they will give you a 15% off of your first order. I'm really excited for you to try these products. I think you'll be very impressed. Now, back to the show how do we encourage people to be more open-minded? Well, I think the thing we need to
0: do is we need to start learning the truth about aging. We need to learn what aging is and what it isn't. So if we've got our blinders on and all we're seeing is the bad stuff about getting older, we need to take those blinders away and get to see the whole panorama of what age provides. And then that would stop us from all get being afraid of getting old. I mean, think of the anti-aging billions and billions of dollars spent on anti-aging products, wrinkles mm-hmm. and Botox and uh, dyeing your hair and all of that. Um, if we can understand that aging is a natural process, we're all supposed to do it. And by the way, <laughs> we all do it from the <laughs> yeah. moment we're born. <laughs> we're doing it. Right. So so we need to separate the idea of aging away from the idea of senescence, that, that the aging of our bodies. This is the way I like to think of it. I drive a 32-year-old car. Believe it or not, my car is 32 years old. Uh, still works. Yes, the paint. Uh, a lot of the paint is faded. It's hard to find p- new parts for it, um, uh, because those parts have gone out of production. But it gets me where I want to go, and the place that it, places that it takes me to are always more inter- interesting and newer than I've experienced before. So aging is the is the the action of traveling senescence is the quality of the equipment okay Uh, oh i see but aging is the process we're all aging and we all need to embrace the fact that we're aging so one way of doing that is to just to educate people i mean i'm a community educator this is what i'm about changing people's minds about aging Mm
1: -hmm. what's it like for you Jeanette, living in a in a culture that is so ageist um is that does it get tiring um, bringing this message of the the problem of ageism? Is that something that you have to work on um, in your own life to keep your keep your enthusiasm up? No, it's just
0: the opposite. I am fired up about it. I love the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I love every opportunity I can get to point out ageism. Uh, And there are ways of pointing it out where you're not confrontational. You could be very, you'd be humorous about it. Um, here's a typical situation that I've encountered a couple of times. You know, I, I have gray hair. Um, I, I am 70, as I said. And, uh, uh, I would, I might be at, let's say, a supermarket check out and the person who's at the uh, the cashier is younger than me, who might say to me, um, how are you today, young lady? You know, what, what, have you found everything you need, young lady? And I'll say, I'll say, do you have eye problems? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, look at my hair and I say, I'm actually, I'm not a young lady, I'm an old lady and you know what? I'm okay with it and you can be okay with it too. Oh and a lot of times gosh. they smile, uh-huh. like, you know, it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know. <laughs> So there are ways of dealing with it that you can mm. point out. Now that's the that's the you know mild stuff. But then mm. there's very serious ageism mm-hmm. that happens when people are denied jobs. They don't get hired as much um, the, in the workplace. There's a, there's ageism in healthcare where older adults are over treated or under treated a lot of times because of their age. Mm-hmm. A lot of times older adults aren't even take part in clinical trials. So we don't know what the dosage of a new drug can be for an older person. Mm -hmm. And old people's bodies are different than middle-aged people's bodies, just as middle-aged people's bodies are different than children's bodies. You know, we have pediatricians, but we also have geriatricians. And that's important because our bodies are different as we get older. Unfortunately, this is where ageism comes in. We have far fewer geriatricians than we need right now we have about seven in the united states and around the world actually there's a shortage of geriatricians mm-hmm. um we we have about seven thousand in the united states but we need about 35 000 to fifty thousand in order to accommodate mm-hmm. the growing older population mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's all over when it's serious ageism we really need to confront it in serious ways and that's what i blog about all the time and teach about
1: and and the serious
0: ways, what what do those look like? You call it out when you see it. You challenge people. You um, you you uh, make noise in terms of the policy. If a if a company claims to uh, not discriminate against age, but you have a feeling that you haven't been hired only because of your age, mm-hmm. then it needs to be brought up somewhere to somebody about that. Um, You know, again, when you're in the doctor's office and the doctor, let's say I visit the doctor and I go with a, um, an adult child and the doctor talks to the adult child, but not to me, Mm -hmm. I immediately say to the doctor, you know, doc, I'm, I'm the patient here. You can talk to me. I appreciate you wanting to talk to my son or my daughter, but you could talk to me about it. I'm the one who, who needs to hear from you.
1: So you're talking about advocating for yourself and, 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 uh, you know, your work is about advocating for others. Yes, absolutely. And the thing is, we don't advocate for ourselves enough because as you,
0: as you pointed out in the beginning, we can be internally ageist. When we say things like, I'm too old to do this sport, or I, you know, I can't pick this thing up. I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, my, my body doesn't work as well anymore. Yeah, your body may not work as well anymore, but you've still got ways of dealing with it, and you're not too old to do certain things. I mean, we need to be defying what the attitudes are around what's age appropriate. There's no such thing as age appropriateness. There's only oh. what's appropriate for you as the individual, what you personally want to do or should mm-hmm. want to do, But but there's no... H, I mean, if I want to dress in a mini skirt or you know tattoo mm. myself or
1: <laughs> dye my hair purple, right? I, I should be able to do that. I you know? see. I see what you're saying here. Um, before you came became a social gerontologist, I mean, this is a second career for you. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about what led you here? Sure. Um, All my
0: life, I've been a teacher and a writer. I actually started out writing educational materials for children, so I and I still do. So I'm at both ends of the aging spectrum. I still uh, write for children, and I write for and about uh, older people. Um, But when I was in my 50s, I became the full-time primary caregiver to both my parents, both sequentially and simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And that just threw me for a loop. The experience threw us all for a loop. What really got to me was the way in which I found my parents were being treated or, or not treated or mistreated. And that just got me so worked up about why, are, why are older people seen this way? So after both of them passed away, I went back to graduate school. I have a master's in English, um, from Rutgers, which I got when I was in my twenties, but I went back to graduate school to study gerontology because I wanted to, just change people's minds about aging. Find out what this problem is all about. Why we have a problem with aging. We don't have a problem with aging. We have a problem with ageism. Ageism mm. is the problem. Mm-hmm. So that's when I went back so, to grad school and then
1: I started teaching on aging issues from then on. You had a front row seat to, oh, yeah. to what was wrong. Do you have any um, examples that stand out in your mind when oh, you gosh. said this is, not gonna, this is not gonna be a, a go for me?
0: Yeah, I was my father was fortunate to have really good medical care um, when uh, after my mother died. they both both living in Florida and she died of breast cancer at 72 uh, that metastasized to her brain and spine. Um, and I was flying back. I was living in Charlotte at the time and flying back and forth and back and forth. Um, after she died, he decided he agreed to come to Charlotte and move to an independent community. Um, and, uh, and I saw that he got much better. I, I made sure he got better medical care than what was available to both my parents in Florida. But I remember when my mother was sick and in the hospital, um, a particular doctor, neurosurgeon, as a matter of fact, was treating her uh, very, in a very poor way, very uh, dismissively, wouldn't really listen to our needs and all of that. And so I. You know, without going into detail, I basically told him off to say, you know, he he missed his calling. He should mm-hmm. have been a he should have been a pathologist instead oh, of a in
1: the lab. Yeah, in the lab, oh. working with slides or corpses. Oh boy! Oh dear. So yeah. that's that's just
0: one experience, but um, other experiences happen too when people just assumed. Um, my, when my father uh, moved to Charlotte, he had very bad heart condition and he was uh, scheduled to be operated on. And we've, um, he had a wonderful, wonderful cardiologist. But the cardiologist literally had to talk the heart surgeon into doing the surgery because the heart surgeon said, he's 80 years old, why should we be doing this very intricate surgery on him? So the cardiologist and me and my brother had a discussion with the surgeon and we said, this is not the 80 year old you think he is. He wants quality of life. Can he, can you restore him to a quality of life? And he said, yes, it's going to, it's a long shot, but it can be done. So we had to basically talk him into the surgery. Well, after he had his surgery, my father was robust. He had his own garden. He joined all kinds of clubs. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of um, situation that we find ourselves in all the time. I never get tired of, of advising people, giving them the encouragement to advocate for their older, um people or for themselves we mm-hmm. need to be doing this mm-hmm. this is a civil rights issue
1: Aha, uh-huh. i see yeah i mean it's not i can hear the passion in your voice it's mm-hmm. really the career well your experiences changed your life right. and then the career followed As a psychotherapist of 30 years with a specialty in food and eating issues, I know that holidays can be a real challenge when it comes to eating and food. Food and family visits are often a very tricky combination. So if you'd like to learn how to have a more peaceful relationship with food, both during the holidays and the rest of the year, check out my web course, The Wisdom of Mindful Eating. This course is super practical and user friendly, and it has the power to change your life. You'll find the course on the ZestfulAging.com website. Now back to the show. Has what you've learned also had an effect on your aging process? Yeah absolutely
0: i you know i am doing all the things i need to and want to do uh i'm not letting people stop me um or or, or or try to influence me about what i can or cannot do um i catch myself by the way we're all ages basically i mean it's hard to escape it in this culture so there are times when i used to say to myself i'm too old for this but when i really thought about it i thought Am I really using the word "old" correctly? Am I? Is the word "old" applicable here, or am I saying I'm too wise for this? You know, a lot of times I would say I'm too old. I don't want to be bothered with people who, um, you know, uh, are treating me in certain ways, or um, who who can't see the uh, who see the limitations in other people. I don't want to hang around people like that. Instead of saying I'm too old for this, I'm thinking I'm I'm too experienced for this. Mm-hmm. Been there, done that. And I think a lot of us, as we get older, one of the brighter sides of getting older is the fact that we tend to regulate our emotions better and we mm-hmm. tend to see the bad things as not so bad, primarily because we've had many experiences of bad things and we've gotten through them. So when we go through the next bad experience, we have a history of surviving and thriving, uh, as a result. So that, that has a lot to do with it. Um, actually Laura Carstensen, uh, from in Stanford, mm-hmm. uh, she has, done studies that show that older adults, while we have experienced the all around the world, we have experienced uh, overwhelmingly the effects of COVID, we also are dealing with the um, isolation and the problems in a better way than people decades younger than us. We Mm -hmm. actually deal with it better how so because of that emotional regulation and our brains actually change you know the physiology of our brains change Mm -hmm. the networks the neural networks in our heads that allow us to kind of mute the negative emotional part of our brain and Uh, enhance the positive part of our brain. And I think that's an evolutionary thing. When we're younger, we are much more aware of survival. And so we are much more aware of when somebody says something negative to us. Uh, You know, 50 people can compliment you on something, and one person can tell you, criticize you, and it's the one person you're going to think about. You're going to forget about the other 50. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Well, as we get older, our brains change so that that one person doesn't – have as much of an impact on our emotions
1: so that's another good point that's a benefit i think a moment ago you were talking about resilience yeah Mm -hmm.
0: yeah resilience we you know another stereotype about aging is that older adults don't like to change we're stuck in our ways right Mm -hmm. okay this is what i tell people what was a telephone like when you were a kid What's a telephone like now Mm -hmm. if you can handle a rotary phone and now you have a smartphone, you've changed. And, but it's not just the technology. And by the way, older adults are the fastest growing people over the age of 85 are the fastest growing, not only population in the country, in the world, but the fastest growing users of technology more. Mm. We, we, we're adapting to it faster uh, than ever before. And, um, so but it's not just technology that we've changed to as we get older at talking about senescence we get used to our bodies changing it seems like every day now there's something new about my body that i'm surprised by and i have to deal with <laughs> you know oh i never had an ache in this part of my body before <laughs> now how am i going to deal with it what am i going to mm, do mm. um but also the other change big change we have we start losing people our own age we start losing our friends our spouses our partners and we have to deal with that as well so i highly advise people to start making more friends of different (laughs) generations
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, and it's also good for younger people to have old older friends too i mean we're all in this together it's interdependence Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, and we need to be less in our heads about we need to be independent we need to be interdependent and we older adults need to recognize that we've got a lot of stuff that we can share with others that is worth sharing and others should want us to do that.
1: Is there any particular, uh, uh, format or way older people can meet younger people?
0: There are all kinds of opportunities now, which is wonderful. And, and the great thing about zoom and, you know, maybe this is one of the, 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 if there is any good side side to the pandemic, um, people are, are meeting virtually more than they had before. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are lots of meetup groups, mm-hmm. lots of groups around the world that pair older adults and younger people together
1: mm-hmm. for
0: cross mentoring and just, you know, cross relationships. So yes, I mean, if people just search for intergenerational, you know, social groups, okay, I mean, they can do that very easily and find a group in their area uh, or even not in their area. Group around mm-hmm. the world. I mean, it wouldn't be wonderful to have a friend of another generation in another country,
1: mm-hmm. uh, so that
0: you have not only the generational differences to share and and learn from, but the but the cultural differences and the political mm-hmm. differences and all of that.
1: And I can imagine um, a scenario where an older person might want to volunteer. Yes. Um. In a, in a place where young people are.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's uh, actually AARP has something called the Experience Corps, where older adults volunteer to go into the elementary schools and be reading buddies for kids. Oh boy. And then there's also a movement to uh. It it I believe it's it may have started in. Um, in uh, Amsterdam, in the Netherlands, and in Scandinavia, but it's it's now blossoming around around the world, where um, older adult um, independent communities are being built on or near campuses, so that they are actually offering rooms free room and board Uh, to uh, college students uh, to live in their independent communities.
1: I I saw that, what a brilliant idea, so civilized.
0: (laughs) Yes, and then there's also, um, it started, there was one I know of in Washington state of a preschool that is housed uh, with uh, an assisted living center so that every day for a couple of Mm -hmm. hours, the kids and the older people are brought together to do some kind of activity together.
1: It's like replicating the old, you know, where your extended family was living Mm -hmm. under one roof. Exactly. And you've pointed out something absolutely important for us to realize.
0: We are actually going back in time. When you think about it, hundreds of years ago, when people didn't travel so much, they probably lived in the same town. And and if you go back millennia, they were living in the same hut, you know, Mm -hmm. different Mm -hmm. generations constantly together. So we're actually returning to that because this this ghettoizing of ages, which started in the, um, industrial revolution, um, has really done us a disservice because we have separated old and younger people from each other. And here's the point. Ageism can start as early as three years old in a person's mind. As young as three years old, Mm -hmm. little kids can start to receive, uh, um, images or absorb the views and attitudes that getting old is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So the younger we can get kids and older people together in positive ways, that's what's ultimately going to defeat ageism.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That's, that's a very hopeful, very Mm. hopeful thought. This is such important uh, information. Where can people find out more about your work? They can go to my website Mm -hmm. www.genetteliardi.com
0: okay and i guess they can see the spelling of my name on your on your website
1: it'll be in the show notes
0: and they can contact me through my website i have a contact page and Mm -hmm. i'd be glad to uh, answer any questions and uh, i also have an ageful living blog that they can Mm -hmm. read i blog that and notice i call it ageful living when people say ageless I, I don't like the phrase ageless, we, we're not without age, we're all of us have an age. Mm-hmm. But as we get older, it's cumulative, and it's full. And I like your zestful <laughs> living, because full of zest, yes, mm-hmm. why not?
1: Yeah, I have the same reaction when people say age is just a number. Mm. I say, well, actually, it's an important number. Though. Yeah, exactly. Let's not pretend it's it, it's something it's not. Um, right, we should age, be... De- yeah
0: we should be declaring our age. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a, it's it's hard for people especially women to admit their age. We need to go beyond admitting and into declaring.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I'm proud
0: to be 70. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky to be 70.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I want yeah. to be 90. Look <laughs> at me go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much for spending time with me today um, and and talking to me about this really this really important topic.
0: Well, thank you, Nicole. I appreciate the opportunity to, to spread the word.
1: Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff.